1: Welcome to Storytime, the holy grail of great stories from around the interwebs, brought to you by iHeartRadio and Collab. I'm your host, Will, number two McFadden, and by number two, I mean season two. That's right. I've got to say it. uh, I feel truly hashtag blessed to be starting up with a second season of the podcast that Kim Kardashian's impersonator called Better Than the Joe Rogan Experience. So there you have it. You know, I'm super glad that my boss... (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding! I don't have a boss because I am my boss. So I'm super glad that I renewed it so that we can all have a few more orbits around the sun to enjoy the best stories on all of the internets. I've got the stories. You've got the ears. It's a match made in heaven. Unfortunately, right now, uh, I've also got a problem. Uh, You see, I was munching on my signature dish, um, a good old seafood casserole, and you know I love a casserole. So versatile, so elegant. It's a meal that takes 10 minutes to make and keeps for two weeks at least. Oh God. So anyways, I was going down to shrimp town with this seafood cassie. <laughs> uh, I whipped it up about a week and a half ago and all of a sudden I got the sharpest pangs in my lower abdomen. So uh, right now, I'm actually on my way to the ER because I'm pretty sure that my appendix is about to burst or maybe it's already exploded uh, inside my body. You know, I, I I did some research on WebMD, so I'm pretty sure it's one of those two options. Anyway, so maybe I'll do a little bit more deep diving on the Internet. I know doctors really love it when they have a patient who's already done the early legwork for them. So uh, why don't you guys just uh, listen to a story from Jason Grinowitz, better known online as your daily dose of Internet, while i I pretend
2: to be Dr. House. Hey everyone, I wanted to briefly talk about my, probably the most traumatic and and worst story of my life so far. I'm sure something else might come up in the future, but this is probably the worst uh, hospital story I might ever have. Um, So a few days ago, I was uh, just kind of minding my business, I woke up and felt, Great, you know, I did everything I n- normally do in the morning, and you know, drink some water and all that stuff. And then I started getting some severe pain in my lower right back, and I wasn't really sure why. Um, I just I, I thought maybe I worked out, you know. So the the previous day I worked out and I did squats, and I, it was it was leg day. So I thought, oh, maybe I had some bad form or something. And that resulted in me getting some lower back pain. And that's, that's what I thought the, the basis of all this pain was. It was so uncomfortable. No matter how I sat, no matter how I sat, which way I sat, I lied down on my back, on my, on my front. No matter how I lied down, it hurt. It hurt so much. It felt like someone was just kind of stabbing a pencil into my lower right back over and over again. And I wasn't really sure why it was hurting. And my conclusion was, it was probably because I worked out and I had some bad, I did bad form with my squats or, or my leg workout that I was doing. Well, eventually, about an hour into this struggle, I stood up and all of a sudden I felt a rush, a cold rush go down my body and I got extremely sweaty. I mean, I was drenched in sweat within about 30 seconds. It was very scary. And that's when I knew this was serious. It wasn't just, um, you hurt your back. And so that's when I uh, I gave my mom a call. I was like, Mom, hey, I, I feel horrible. I, I can't really walk. I feel like I'm going to throw up. And so I gave her a call, and so she she drove over to come get me. And this is when I realized I was in big trouble. I live in an apartment complex, a pretty large one, and I never gave my parents my keys to my place, like my spare keys. I, they were just sitting in my drawer the entire time. Um, so none of my parents have my spare keys, so they can't get in to physically help me get out of my apartment. I I was so, and I was in so much pain. I could not. I could, I really couldn't walk. I had. I was basically crawling everywhere. Um, So what I ended up doing is I somehow managed to put on the bare minimum clothes, I crawled outside, uh, I locked my door, and I crawled to the elevator, and I went all the way down to the parking garage and waited for my mom (laughs) to come save me. And while I was waiting, I threw up multiple times from the pain. It was the worst pain of my life. The pain was so intense, um, I just kept, I couldn't stop throwing up. It was so awful. Uh, Eventually my mom arrives and about 20 minutes later and I jump in her car and we drive to the hospital and I throw up the entire time on the way there. Uh, She gave me a a little garbage bag to throw up in. We finally get to the hospital about uh, 15 minutes later and this is when the pain starts getting super intense. If it's already so bad that I was already throwing up. Like, you can imagine, like, (laughs) I was on the verge of passing out. Um, So we get to the emergency room, and I'm, I, my mom somehow helps me. I'm, like, crawling on the floor to uh, the front desk, and they're, like, what's your name? Where are you from? You know, what's your insurance and all that stuff? And they're, like, asking me these questions while I'm, like, dying, basically. And I'm telling them, like, I need help. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm in extreme pain. My lower right and my front abdomen at this point was really painful. Just like just someone just taking a, a knife and just stabbing me over and over and over again. Well, they told me it was going to be an, about an hour wait. Uh, my mom was furious because, you know, I thought, we, we both thought that if you go to an emergency room, you would be get helped right away. That's normally what you would expect from an American hospital, is that correct? Um, Well, in this situation uh, they told me I had to wait an hour. At least. At least an hour. So we waited about 25 minutes and that's when the pain was getting worse and worse and worse and I was uh, I was screaming, I was yelling, I was crying, I was saying help, help, someone help me, help, and I said that over and over and over again for about 25 minutes in front of everyone in the emergency room there was about 20 people in the emergency room sitting there patiently waiting their turn they, they were patiently sitting and waiting in the chair and I was rolling around on the floor my face in the floor when my and my I thought I was dying um, turns out I, I wasn't um, but we'll get back we'll get to that in a second but um, so far Finally, my dad shows up to the hospital to help out my mom. And he's going like, what's going on? Why haven't you gotten checked in yet? And he says, uh, my mom says, well, basically, uh, they, they told us we have to wait an hour. There's too many people ahead of us that need to be helped. And I don't know what these people were were there for in the emergency room for waiting. Uh, maybe their condition was more intense than mine. Um, but the thing is that when you have a the only person in the entire emergency room of about 20 people rolling around in pain and the doctors just ignore you basically I I think three doctors walked past me and they all said the same thing they said is this person going through a seizure what is wrong with them my parents said no he's not he's just in extreme pain and they just walked away um so my parents said forget about it they shoved me in their car And we were about to drive off, and then I was the one level-headed enough to realize, like, wait, might as well just stay here, because the closest hospital is 30 minutes away, and I might get my name picked in the next 30 minutes, so why even bother going anywhere? I managed to say that while I was in extreme pain. So I was, I guess, the most level-headed person out of the group there. Uh, So an hour passes, and I finally get my name called. Um, They bring me in, a nurse helps me. And they, you know, asked me a bunch of questions, like, um, how are you feeling? And like, what's, what, what are, what's wrong and all this stuff. And just really mundane, lame questions, um, that really don't, <laughs> you know, didn't really help calm me down or anything. So long story short, they put me out of bed, they finally put me out of bed and, um, they gave me some, some drugs and that instantly took the pain levels down and then they put put some more drugs in me. Long story short, they did a CT scan on me, found out it was a 3.5 millimeter um, kidney stone that I had, and that's kind of shocking to me because all I drink is water, or so I thought. So the the reason why I got this kidney stone in the first place is because I drank protein shakes with three uh, I think it was 586 milligrams. Of calcium every day for six months if you do that you're going to destroy your kidneys I was uh not too smart about that so that's the source of all my pain and all my distraught and um, so that is a little pro tip if you're gonna drink protein shakes just be sure to drink a ton of water afterwards otherwise you're putting yourself at extreme risk it is uh, not too easy in your kidney stone so that was the worst pain of my life it was horrible and it was Awful because I thought you know going to an emergency room meant that you get helped right away. That is not always the case. If if someone's ahead of you, they'll they'll just take it. They'll take the person in front of you unless you're visibly, I guess, uh, dying. I, I thought I was dying, but apparently, according to these doctors, I, I really wasn't. So worst hospital experience of my life. Worst day in my life probably. Uh, I've never been in so much pain in my life. I've never been in so much pain where you throw up from the amount of pain that you're in. Uh, so I'm just kind of disappointed in our healthcare system. I thought it would be better. Um, but that was my first actual trip to an emergency room. And hopefully that was my last ever trip to an emergency room. But I was actually very relieved when they told me that I that I had a kidney stone. Because my <laughs> this thought that kept going through my head was, imagine that I'm going to a hospital all because... I had a bad squat and I hurt my lower back. I I think that would be so embarrassing. I thought I would never forgive myself for that. Like, wow, this guy went to a hospital because he had bad form on leg day. Long story short, it was a kidney stone and I was kind of relieving, but also I learned a lesson. It's that don't mess around with protein shakes, drink a lot of water.
1: Ah, yes, the American healthcare system. Ignore you for hours while you writhe in agony, then pump you full of drugs and send you on your way with a bill bigger than most people's yearly salary. You know, uh, his stone was 3.5 millimeters, so about the size of a pea. But according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the largest kidney stone ever recorded was just over five inches. Oh, my God. That is one record I am cool not setting. For your daily dose of internet, hit up them links in the description. Uh, Do not fret, I have checked myself into the emergency room And you know what, I'm thinking it's definitely my appendix Or it's uh, contractions, one of the two I do gotta say though, this emergency room is pretty posh You know, there's a lot of like leather chairs and paintings with swirls Where am I, the Guggenheim or a fancy Hollywood motel? Everyone is very calm too, which is weirding me out might have something to do with the reruns of the Golden Girls being on the TV in the corner. Although there is this one, like, pretty old guy who won't stop pacing around, but he's wearing a bathrobe. I wonder if they give those out complimentary here to all the patients. Uh, sir, excuse me. Wait. Wait, what? Uh, hey, sir, excuse me, where can I get one of those bathrobes?
5: Are you talking to me? Uh,
1: yes, I am. I'd also like to lounge in a bathrobe. I mean, is this a hospital or a day spa?
5: Oh, it's definitely a hospital.
1: Okay, but who gave you the bathrobe? Uh,
5: well, this is mine. So
1: you just wear a bathrobe around? That's pretty baller. No, I, uh,
5: well, never mind.
1: Are you okay? Why don't you sit down?
5: Um, I, I can't. Why not? I, um, I, I slipped in the tub.
1: Ah, did you hurt your tailbone? You know, that happened to me once. Mother pulled my chair out from under me. She thought it was super funny. I was six. Jeez, that's
5: terrible. No, um, I um, fell on a um, shampoo bottle. I'm sorry, a what? Shampoo bottle. A bamboo bottle? Shampoo bottle! Oh. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. It's it's still up there. But like a travel one, right? Like a small one? That's not so bad. full size. Oh, dear God, brutal. Actually, do you, do you think that maybe you can... You could help me out a little bit. I, maybe we could get it. Um, oh
1: no, I cannot. Nope, absolutely not, sir. No, I,
5: I was just. It, I just really, You look like you have really strong fingers. So. No, I do not have strong fingers. They're weak, weak little tiny fingers. Please help me. Come on, I ha- I have terrible health insurance. I'm so, I can. I really.
1: I cannot. Why? Are, oh, please don't, don't turn around. Stop backing up. Please help me. Please do not back up towards me. Stop, sir.
6: Will McFadden, <gasps> the doctor will see you now. Oh,
1: thank God. Godspeed, sir. Godspeed. Oh my God, that was a close one. Look, why don't you guys listen to this story from our old pal Goblin while I sit on a crinkly piece of paper and wait for the doctor to fix me.
7: Today we're coming in with a nice little near-death experience story. I don't know if I should call it nice because I almost died, but it is what it is. This one took place back in 2016, and during this phase of my life, I was very into psychedelics. I was at this, you know, at the point where I was taking acid probably once a week minimum. It it was a very, very uh, fun time of my life, to say the least. On this particular day, I had a friend who we're going to call Chris. Chris calls me up, and he tells me that he just got a bunch of tabs delivered in the mail and asks if I want to buy any. I oblige, of course, I'm super down because Chris is my boy. We've been friends for years at this point. We're still very good friends. So I knew he was going to give me a great deal. So I bought 20 tabs off him. He comes and picks me up and we chill out for a little bit. We go drive through McDonald's. I've got my two 10 strips on me and we're trying to figure out some stuff to do. You know, I'm trying to trip tonight, maybe take a couple of these tabs, but we didn't want to sit in the car all night. We wanted to be somewhere. So we ended up going to my friend Cody's house. We drive over there and on the way over there, I pop one of these tabs, you know, and we get to Cody's house maybe 30 minutes later, you know, and another 30 minutes go by after we got there of us just chilling out and smoking weed. And I I didn't really feel the tab at all, which was unusual. You know, normally when I pop my tab, I'll start feeling the come up in about 40 minutes to an hour, give or take. But over an hour had gone by at this point. I didn't feel shit. So I'm a little upset. I'm like, okay, maybe these things are a little weak. I pull another couple tabs off of my 10 strips, and I pop them. Now here's where the problem arose. I should have known immediately and spit these out. There was a bitter taste to them. They did not have no taste. They did not just taste like the paper, they, you know, the blotter paper they were on. If any of your tabs, at least your paper tabs, ever have a taste, spit them out. LSD doesn't taste like anything. Even liquid, when it's just dropped in your mouth, it doesn't really taste like anything. It's like water. So if, he, if you ever have a taste on your tab, spit it out. Obviously, I didn't listen to my own advice because I'm stupid. So I get these tabs down the hatch, these extra couple. Now I'm quite a few tabs deep, and I'm looking forward to a nice trip here. You know, I'm sitting there. I didn't think much of the taste. You know, Chris had been my boy for a long time. He, I knew that he did just as many psychedelics as I did, and I, I didn't really expect these to, to be anything else. You know, I didn't expect them to, to be anything but acid. Looking back at it, I'm pretty confident that it was 25i. I I think I'm pretty certain. But all I know is it was not LSD. I've done a lot of fucking acid in my life and much bigger doses than this. And it felt nothing like this made me feel. So we're chilling out for a little bit. Maybe another hour goes past of chilling at Cody's house, just playing some PlayStation, hanging out in his garage, you know. He had this dope setup in his garage where he had these two TVs out there. He had a couch and a bunch of chairs, a table to roll up on, and everyone could just come over there and match, smoke a bunch of weed, trip balls, do whatever drugs they wanted, and have a blast of a time. It was the best place to trip at, the best place to hang out with. It was just a spot. So maybe another hour goes by, and I start feeling really funny. I'm not feeling that typical acid come up that I I know and love, you know? The best way to describe the feeling for those of you guys who have never tripped before is it's just this almost like pure... Like just just energy pumping through your veins, like hot chocolate. It's so exciting. You sit in there and you, you start feeling loose. You know, you start noticing that the colors around you are kind of getting enhanced and there's there's patterns on things slowly starting to form and things just don't look like how they looked prior. And it, it just it's such an awesome feeling that I love. But with this, I didn't really get that at all. There was not much visuals, not much at all. All I have was some tracers, you know, those little purple things that are going across. Like, if you close your eyes for a while, and then you open them really quickly, or, like, let's say the light gets turned on really suddenly, you know, those little purple shits, you see. I had a bunch of tracers, but that's really it. I wasn't getting those typical acid visuals, but my body, I felt so strange. I almost felt like a like just numb, almost this like super lightheaded, lightweight, like very out of it feeling. And I was really fucking uncomfortable. It felt nothing like anything I'd ever consumed before, which makes sense because I'd I'd done acid, but I hadn't done many other like variants of it, like one PLSD or I don't know what this was. I'm not saying for sure it was 25i. It's just the taste kind of leads me to believe it was because 25i is bitter. But back on topic here so I'm starting to feel really strange and really uncomfortable so I get up and I go take a walk through the neighborhood you know I walk out of Cody's house and Chris comes with me and he's like yo what's going on and I'm sweating balls, you know, he points it out first, because I didn't notice, he's like, dude, are you good, like, you're sweating all over yourself, and I'm like, yeah, dude, I I don't know, I just don't feel good, you know, I kind of want to take a walk, so Chris is kind of trying his best to, you know, calm me down, he's like, dude, you know, doesn't it look so cool out, like, isn't it so nice out, the breeze feels great, you know, and he didn't take nearly as much as me, he was barely tripping at all, I don't even know if he took any, I didn't see him take any, if I, like, I I don't recall him taking any in front of me, so I have no idea if he was tripping or not but he was just trying to calm me down and the walk was not really doing shit for me so i get back into cody's garage and sit down for a little bit and i'm like man like i'm just not feeling good i'm I'm sweating balls i'm covered in sweat i run my hand across my forehead and i'm a pool so i'm like yo you know what i, I just don't feel good i, I think i'm just kind of having maybe a bad trip here i'm kind of trying to go home you know so i tap up cody and chris gives me a ride home he's like yo dude uh just feel better man you know chill out at home smoke some weed watch some youtube videos or something and i'm like yeah for sure you know that's what i plan to do so i get home and shit just really spiraled out of control you know from the the moment i felt that kind of uncomfortable come up feeling to when i got home only about 45 minutes to an hour elapsed. so i wasn't even close to peaking yet nowhere near right i get home and when i get home is when things really started to get ugly I got upstairs, and I went to my room, and my dad was home, but he was already asleep, so he didn't notice shit, he didn't care about anything, I could do really whatever I wanted at this house, right, so I go up to my room, and I close the door, and I'm sitting there, just kind of watching videos, listening to YouTube, trying to calm down, because I just have this, such a strange feeling, this, uh, you know, I, I started feeling this tingling going through my body, and I was just sweating bullets, I couldn't stop it i even once i got home you know after listening to music for a little bit i went and took a cold shower didn't do shit dude i was as soon as i got out and dried off i just started sweating again and i felt awful i didn't know what was happening to me i figured i was just having a bad experience but i just felt so terrible and as the night progressed i started really tweaking out i started hearing things that weren't actually there I I was, like, hallucinating, I'd even go as far as to say. Not, like, the good kind of acid, where even on acid, you don't really hallucinate. It just kind of modifies what's already there. But I was full-blown having audio hallucinations. You know, I was hearing things outside. I thought there was a party going on at my neighbor's house because I I heard, like, loud music and voices. So I remember I turned my lights off because for some reason that scared me. I was tweaking once I got home, and I, I was just losing my mind. And I tried to smoke some weed to calm down, and that just sent me over the edge. I had about an eighth left, and I just chain-smoked almost all of it. And I was tweaking out. At this point, I didn't realize what was happening to me. Turns out it was a cardiac arrest. But we'll get to that, right? We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. So I'm completely losing my mind. I'm, I'm just having these audio hallucinations. I feel like I'm going crazy. And for some reason, I don't know why... I call my mom. I'm like, yo, maybe I'll just call my mom and see how she's doing. Try to calm down, you know, do something normal. So I call my mom just with the intent to, like, ask how she's doing, you know? So I call her up, and I'm just making no sense. I can't form a sentence, dude. I'm literally not functioning in any way, dude. I'm I'm hearing things that aren't really there. I can't talk straight. I'm tingling all over. I'm sweating all over myself. And my mom, you know, I'm at my dad's house, obviously, but my mom, she thinks I'm, like, overdosing at this point. I'm making such little sense that she she's so freaked out that she calls 911 and says, like, yeah, I think my son's, like, overdosing. You know, she knew I did drugs at this point, so it wasn't too far-fetched, honestly. So maybe, like, I don't know how long went by, honestly. I was completely out of my mind at this point. But eventually, there's banging on the door, and the cops come into my house, along with the EMTs. The cops come into my room and I'm tweaking the fuck out, and I remember they asked me what I took, and I just could not fathom an answer. I didn't know what was going on. It was so strange because everything I was feeling was like internalized. I was hearing things that weren't there, but I wasn't really seeing things that weren't there. You know, my, my visuals were fairly normal besides the tracers, but everything I was feeling in my body was just so, so crazy. So, you know, eventually the paramedics come up to my room after the cops talk to me for a little bit, and they see I'm sweating bullets. and like, oh, yeah, you know, like, we gotta check this guy out, right? So they take me out to the ambulance, and I don't know what happened when I got to the ambulance, but, you know, for about the past hour leading up to when the cops came, I'd been talking about this tingling feeling throughout this, and I'll mention again, i lost almost complete feeling of all my limbs. I get into ambulance and I have a complete out-of-body experience. They're hooking up IVs to me and shit. It turns out the oxygen in my blood was like super duper low. And I was in the beginning stages of having a cardiac arrest. So I I start having this complete out-of-body experience. I remember this so vividly. I kept seeing like different perspectives. It was like I closed my eyes and started lucid dreaming immediately. It was like I saw myself as different like animal, like I saw myself like through a bird's eye view. And then I was like, you know, I saw myself through like a perspective of like a a person in a different country and all these different scenes. It was almost like just running through like a photo album of different pictures from across the world. But I was there and I was in it. I was having this total complete out of body, just not there experience during this ambulance ride. And I get to the hospital. And I'm at this point, I'm barely coherent. I don't really know how long it took. I don't really know how I got to the hospital room. But I remember going from the... I was in the ambulance, and then I remember being in the hospital room. Some time had gone by. I don't know how much. But both of my parents were there beside me. And at this point, I was just freaking out. The visual stuff wasn't there at first. But once I got to the hospital room, it was. And the worst part was, they literally had me strapped down to this bed. I was hooked up to IVs and a bunch of stuff. The doctors were talking. They were like, oh, like, are you okay? How do you feel? They were giving me water. You know, they were IV and, you know, liquids to me. They had this mask on my face. It was crazy. And the whole time I'm tripping balls. I'm freaking out. I'm terrified at this point. I'm looking all over the place. I'm looking at everyone and their faces just look so weird. I remember not recognizing my parents. It was so crazy. But after they treated me a little bit, for God knows how long, they stabilized me a little bit, and I calmed down, stopped, Keep, you know, I, I kept going like in and out of my body, it felt like. But after that stopped for a little while, and they kind of stabilized me, my blood pressure and all that stuff, I, I ended up just getting left alone in the room. My parents, obviously, you know, they're uh, they're not really trying to spend the whole night, so they leave. And I'm alone in this room, and they turn the light off. And you could probably guess, I'm not falling asleep anytime soon. So for the next, I don't know how long, I'm sitting in there fighting demons, dude. Lights out, no TV remote, they didn't give me shit. Because I was freaking out so bad, they figured that the best way to do it was just to turn off the lights and try to like, I don't know, just just let me tweak it out. You know what I'm saying? It was literally torture. It was awful dude but i finally came two hours later i don't know i don't know how long went by dude it was such a terrible experience and i didn't really understand the magnitude of what just happened to me until the following day and i realized like holy shit like i just like i nearly died like the doctor i remember he came in the next day i don't know if it was a doctor nurse some dude who's more educated than me he came in and he was like yeah like if you didn't get to the hospital sooner like you probably would have fucking died and i'm sitting here like holy shit dude i can't believe this It was a wild night.
1: You heard it here first, kids. If your tabs have a taste, spit them out. I'm so glad that Goblin survived that horrific experience, but I will say that his stories make me never want to have children. His poor mother. For more adventures and drugs, check out Goblin's channels in the description.
6: Right rug flooring. Okay,
1: I will. Uh, I'm Dr. Cheerton. Um, so, now well, what brought you in today? Hi, doctor. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like there's a yoga ball inside of me trying to escape. Okay. Uh, did you do anything out of the ordinary today? Uh, hmm. Well, I, I woke up this morning and I played a lot of Nintendo Switch Fit. There's this game called Squattery Pottery. It's super fun. Nope, I, I think that's probably fine, but how about after that? Uh, I cried in the shower for about ten minutes. Okay, I don't, I don't really think I need to know anything about that. And then after that, I cried in the closet for about mm, fifteen. Okay, let's let's just fast forward to after the crying. When exactly did you start feeling ill? Well, look, I'm pretty sure my appendix has exploded inside of my body. Or I have some sort of rare blood disease that, you know, if you could just prescribe... No, it's definitely neither of those. Okay, uh, look, I guess the pain and bloating started right as I was about to dig into my third helping of this seafood casserole that I made about a week and a half ago. Stop. Did you say seafood casserole? I did. You want that recipe? Hold on one sec, Doc. Hey, why don't you guys listen to this story from Gabrielle Moses while I fill out this doctor's casserole prescription real quick. Okay, so seafood cassie. It's about 25% seafood, 75% mayo. Actually, when I think about it, it's probably more of a chunky milkshake consistency than a casserole. But man, it hits the spot on a hot day.
8: So I was an eighth grader and I loved playing soccer. I was super active. I lived a pretty healthy life. But one day I was literally finishing up an indoor soccer game and it was the end of the season and we just won. I was very, very into soccer. Like I was a defender. I was really into like pushing people into walls as bad as that might sound. (laughs) But yeah, I got really into it. But so we won our game like 10 to 3 or something crazy like that and Honestly, there's a really cute group of boys teams that were playing after us. So, me and my friend were like, oh my gosh, like, let's show off. Like, great idea. Keep in mind, I have not done gymnastics at this point for like three or four years. It was a really long time. So, I was quite a bit rusty. But me and my friend were like, oh my gosh, let's do it. We're going to celebrate us winning our game. Plus, we're going to show off for the boys. (laughs) You know, like any other 14-year-old would do. So, there we were just gonna do a standing back tuck like oh what could possibly go wrong we're sweaty we're disgusting also haven't tumbled in literally years like yeah let's do it great idea so we did it I landed on my knees pretty sure I'm almost face planted but I landed it was okay and and my friends stand up we give each other high fives like we're hyped up you know at this time yes it was a competitive team that I played on but you know we all also had to celebrate the end of the season. So we got the little participation trophies at the end. And then we also got these really cool cupcakes that matched our colors for the team. And so our team colors were yellow and blue. And so I I went on my merry way, we we're on our way home and everything. And my house from the soccer fields was about 30 minutes. So it was a pretty long car drive, but like nothing too crazy. And I just remember sitting in the backseat of my dad's truck And all of a sudden my foot falls asleep and I'm like, what the heck? Like I'm slamming it on the ground because it's just so uncomfortable, you know, like those pins and kind of needles feelings. Yeah, that's what it was. And so I'm slamming my foot on the ground. I'm like, what the heck? Why is this not working? And then as I like continue to slam my foot, I'm like, wait a second. Why is like more of my body feeling numb? And it was just something that was just the weirdest feeling ever. And it was like you could almost feel it spreading throughout my body I didn't really think much of it. Like, oh, huh. I might have just, like, hurt myself doing, like, that backflip. You know, you don't really think about those things. So I'm sitting in the back seat. My right side of my body starts getting numb. I'm like, whatever. It's just something weird. I'm overthinking all of this. Not that big of a deal. Didn't think, like, much more about it. But then I remember I was... We were almost home at this point. Like, five, ten minutes away. I don't know exactly. And my twin sister, who also played on my soccer team, asked me a question. And I opened my mouth to respond, and then I realized I couldn't actually talk. And she was, like, repeating this question. I have no clue what it was about, probably something small and dumb. But she kept asking me over and over again this question, and I was trying to formulate these words, but nothing would come out. Like, think about it like this. You're walking quicksand or something. You can't really move your feet but you're trying so, so hard. That's literally what it was like whenever I was talking. I would think of a word and try and say it, and I would think so, so hard. And even if I did say it and I thought it was right, it still would come out like I had never spoken English before or I was like a toddler trying to learn how to talk for the first time. And so that's whenever my twin sister started freaking out. She thought at first like, oh, you're just being rude, Gabrielle. Like you're just not wanting to answer my question. But then I literally start bawling my eyes out because I'm like, I can't talk. Like, what's wrong with me? And I was always interested in <laughs> Grace Anatomy House, like all those medical shows. I always wanted to be a doctor whenever I grew up. So like, I knew like exactly what this was. And I was like, oh my God, is it a stroke? And I was like, no way, no way. But it just kept getting worse. And like my mouth was going numb, like the entire right side of my body it was just going numb. Couldn't talk, I couldn't lift up my arms. Crazy stuff like that. And so I'm bawling my eyes up. My dad's like, what the heck is going on? By the time I got home, my mom was just holding me. And we were sitting on the couch, and they didn't know what to do. But of course, it, like, went away it, pretty quick. I think it, it went away after about, like, 30-ish minutes. So it didn't last long. And then I was fine. I was like, nothing had ever happened. So that was the weirdest part of it, is that it just, like, disappeared. But during that time that everything was happening... I I don't know. I felt cloudy. I couldn't like raise my right hand like to talk. I was literally typing on my phone in the notes section, like you know how whenever you're in class and you don't want your teacher to hear you or whatever, or you want to whisper like a secret. (laughs) That's how I was talking, and no matter how hard I tried, I could not talk. And so it went away thirty minutes later, and I it was back to normal. Like nothing had ever happened, and that was the weirdest part of it all. So my parents just you know. They didn't really think much of it. Like, oh, it must have been because you did a backflip. Like, you're dumb. That was your own fault. Or it could have been, like, the food coloring dye, and I had a weird, weird, weird allergic reaction to the cupcake dye or something weird like that. And so, I went to bed, didn't really think much of it, but I begged my parents, like, we need to go to the doctor tomorrow, because, like, it felt so wrong, and I knew my family history, like, there has been several strokes in my family, and so I told my mom that I was worried, so, of course, yeah, we went to urgent care or whatever, and so that next day, the doctor was, like, asking me all these questions, he was wanting to do, like, all these different tests on me, and it was just kind of weird, because, like, you know, you don't really think an eighth grader would have these types of health problems. So they did all the tests and everything. A nurse came in too, which I thought was weird. Like, why would you need like two people in a room just to like assess like an allergic reaction? So my mom just the entire time was like, Gabrielle, you're fine. Like you're overthinking all of this. And yeah, that's what I thought, too, until the doctor came and sat down and was like, okay, so you had a mini-stroke, and based on your family history, we think that this was possibly a TIA. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> they told me that, and I was just like, what? And the doctor kept telling me more and more about how this means that I'm more likely to have a stroke within the next few years. So they said 50% of patients who had a TIA would see a stroke in the next year, luckily that never happened or anything, but it still freaked me out to even think that that could have happened, that there was literally a blood clot in my brain, and that possibly by doing a freaking backflip that it triggered that, like what, um, so yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my little story about how I found out that I may have had, like, a mini stroke when I was only 14 years old, so, <laughs> Maybe that's a life lesson not to do some backflips when you haven't done gymnastics in years. But yeah, I'm good now. Haven't had any like reoccurrences since, no strokes. I've been eating very healthy since. (laughs) Less cholesterol, you know the deal. But yeah, but I hope you guys enjoyed this little story time and hopefully I'll talk to you guys later.
1: I think the main takeaway of that story is don't ever try to impress 8th grade boys because they're the worst. All of them. God, that must have been so scary, especially at that age, you know? When I was 14, I had no idea what was going on inside of my body. But now that I'm 32, apparently, I still have no idea because although my appendix didn't explode, turns out that I'm lactose intolerant. I mean, which is shocking because I think of myself as a very tolerant person does explain a lot, though, like why my mother only lets me eat ice cream in my bedroom and also why Sheila forced me to sleep under an airtight tarp with an oxygen tank whenever I'd try that fancy celeb cottage cheese diet. I honestly thought that was just me role-playing as a scuba diver and her role-playing as someone who liked ignoring scuba divers. I never really got it, though. Also, the scientific version of what was wrong with me was the accumulation of gas in the alimentary canal. And the short version of that is farts. So a lot of farts. You know, Sheila never let me fart in front of her. And when I did, she would scream and throw the remote at me. So I guess they just have the fear in them still. And they're just trying to stay inside where it's safe.
5: Hey, hey, there you are.
1: Oh, 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 shit. The bathrobe man is here. Yeah, he's waiting for me. Oh,
5: shit. Oh, hey, there you are. Uh,
1: uh no, 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 I'm not here. Oh, wait, God.
5: Wait up, wait up, wait up.
1: Oh, oh, come on. Why is the elevator taking so long? Please, for the love of God.
5: Hold, hold the elevator. Oh,
1: I can't, I don't know what buttons to press, sir. Oh, thank
5: God, finally. Hold the elevator. Oh,
1: shit, why aren't the doors closing? God, he's so fast. How is he so fast in his condition? Wait up. Oh, fuck, I'm trapped.
5: Oh, man, I just made it. So, um, you got any plans this weekend?
1: Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. As always, I want to give a big-ass shout-out and thank you to our fearless storytellers, Daily Dose of Internet, Goblin, and Gabrielle Moses. Head on down to the description and click the links to subscribe to their channels. Would you like to be a featured storyteller on an upcoming episode of Storytime? If you have a great story to share, record it and send it on down to storytime at collab.inc. Or you can call the Storytime hotline and leave us a message. Give us a call at 323-741-1873 and we'll share our favorites on our next listener episode. Oh, you're... You're still listening? Cool, cool, cool. Well, if you've gotten this deep into the episode, you might as well rate it, review it, and share it with a friend. Or an enemy. It makes no difference to me as long as I get those sweet, sweet streams. Storytime is produced by iHeartRadio and Collab. Executive producers Eric Jacks, Song Kang, and Will McFadden. Hosted by Will McFadden. Produced by Jessica Eccles, Jason Shapiro, Daniela Mora, and Jenny Ulmer. Written by Jenny Ulmer. Sound designed by Tony Maddox. Voice acting by Bob Turton. Original score by Scott Simons, cover art by John Kuzagaya, animation by Bella Bouchon.
6: Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com.